Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to take a look at the doctrine dealing with idolatry. The doctrine dealing with idolatry. And for our purposes, we're going to define idolatry as any image or worship or divine honor given to any created object. Let me repeat that. We're going to define idolatry as any image or worship or divine honor given to any created object. So in a sense, idolatry is misappropriation of worship, giving worship to the created versus the creator. So idolatry can be seen in various forms. Uh, You can idolize a statue. You can idolize a philosophy. You can idolize your humanism. You can idolize your family. You can idolize your children. You can idolize your spouse. You can idolize your singlehood. Whatever it is that you are worshiping outside of the worship uh, that's due to the authentic God. Then idolatry, and I'm going to get into this, but idolatry gives birth to syncretism. Or syncretism, as some people like to word it. And syncretism is the attempt to reconcile the holy with the unholy. It's the attempt to bring in um, new wine and putting it into old cloth skin, as Jesus says. It's the attempt to bring in the unholy along with the holy. That's syncretism or, or syncretism. The attempt to unify or to align or to bring together behavior or theology or philosophy or cultural norms that Jesus don't accept. That's syncretism. And we as believers have been warned over and over again to avoid uh, syncretism. This particular episode, uh, we're not going to unpackage any further this doctrine of syncretism, uh, which the Bible teaches against. But I do want to deal with idolatry. Let's look at. Uh, Romans 1, 
21 through 25. And Paul says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for image made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. And we're going to continue with verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Romans 1, 21 through 25. So throughout history, man have a tendency to give to others what solely belongs to God. The worship that belongs to God has now been given to objects that can't answer the that can't answer any of your prayers the worship that belongs to the authentic god has now been given to the false god oftentimes people talk about well you know i i would become a christian but um there's all these things i have to do you know i have to uh give my time i have to uh, I have, I have to give my, uh, donation. I have to give my offering and, uh, it's so, uh, Christianity is so strict and, uh, I feel like I'm in a box. Well, it's interesting that when it comes to the authentic God, we have all these excuses, but look at all of these things that we do for the love of the money God. We go to work even when we're sick. We work overtime even though we can't see our families willingly in many cases. We um, go to these workshops and seminars in many cases are optional. But yet when it comes to giving God his due, we come up with all of these excuses. And we find this mindset, not just in the world, but even with Christians or those who allege to be Christians, we find this type of mindset in the churches. We talk about church service is too long. We talk about the frequency of church services and why we can't make it to Bible study and why we can't be in the ministry. When it comes to giving God his due, many people seem to come up with all of these excuses. And if we're not careful, we will find ourselves in the category of those who are committing idolatrous actions or giving forth idolatrous offerings. Let's move on. The doctrine of idolatry. Again, we're defining idolatry as an image or worship or divine honor that's given to any created object. And any created object 
cannot be worshipped or should not be worshipped. We ought not to worship anything or anyone outside of the authentic God. God says I share my glory with no one. And he means it. He doesn't want us to give over our affections, to give over our talents, to give over our gifts, to give over our humanity and our passions to something that he's created. But we are misusing what he's given us and pointing that and pointing it towards the creation versus the creator. God wants all of us to give our soul affections, our soul appetites to him. God indeed created us for worship. And you can take a look at Isaiah 43 and 21. These people have I formed to show forth praise. He desires to have an intimate relationship with us. Now, this relationship, uh, however, is... Top down. It's not bottom up. It's top down. When we get in a relationship with God through Christ, we don't call the shots. We don't or, or cannot dictate to God what we want to do or or how we want to um, order our steps. And in many cases, uh, we uh, uh, there are people who mistakenly think that because they've confessed God, they professed Christ, that they have um, this, this sense that God is some type of cosmic bellhopper where if they need something or if they want something, not, not need, but if they want something, all they have to do is ring a bell and God has to answer it for them. Lord, this is how we're going to operate this relationship. That's not how God works. God does not answer to us. We answer to him. And he formed us to have an intimate relationship based on his prescription. Not based on our prescription, but based on his prescription. And as long as we have a firm understanding of how God operates, look what we have. When we get in alignment with God, when we get in alignment with his ways, when we get in alignment with his scriptures, we are offered and given access to peace that surpasses all understanding. And this type of peace that comes with the power of the Holy Spirit cannot be purchased, can't be given to you by somebody else. Only God can give you access to the peace that's a path all understanding. You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have peace, you always have restless nights. Look what we have when we listen to uh, God and when we walk by his statues God uh, opens our eyes up and we're able to experience joy the joy 
that can't be given to you through prescription, can't be given to you through relationships with other humans or through other uh, objects or inanimate objects. Only God can give us peace and the joy that comes from having a relationship with him. So those are just two of the benefits that comes with doing things God's way. Then when we get connected to God the right way, God provides us with discernment. And this discernment is rooted in our relationship with Jesus Christ, powered by the Holy Ghost himself. So when we talk about discernment, we're talking about the ability to assess what's right and wrong, influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're able to see problems coming before they come because we have a relationship with God himself. But when we are engaged in idolatrous customs, it takes our vision or our focus away from the help that we can get and we start working in other areas where our time and our efforts are being wasted. Whenever people are engaged in idolatrous customs, it takes their focus away from their help and it delays the blessings that they could have received. So let's move on. God desires an intimate relationship. First of all, God is the creator. We can't forget that. We are the created. Scriptures constantly reminds us that God loves us. And I think that's what we need to embrace. God does love us. And because he loves us, he tells us what to stay away from, where to be, who to uh couple or partner with God because he loves us doesn't want to see us caught up or enslaved to things that's not going to benefit us and if we would constantly remind ourselves that God loves me Jesus loves me God loves me Jesus loves me if we would constantly remind ourselves that God loves us, and as a result, he has my best interest at heart. He's a loving God. This is why God does not want us to worship idols. He doesn't want us to waste our times because the reality is idols cannot help us. Idols have no power. Idols have no answer. No true answer anyway. So God loves us and we should never forget that uh, reality. Ontologically, God is pure love. God is love. He, he's the standard of love. God love exists in its own nature. His own triune nature. God loves himself first and that love extends to his creation. So God is the standard of love. Uh, we use this word freely. I love you. 
Well, God is love. And if we really want to know what love is all about, use God as the standard. When we go back to the fall, when Adam ate of the fruit and ushered in sin, it skewed man's relationship with God. And by man, I mean mankind, both man and woman. And since the beginning of time, God wanted mankind to have an exclusive relationship with him based on our covenant with him. God is serious about our covenant with him. The vows we made with him. God is serious about that. So when Adam violated the contract, God dealt with him first. The contract was between God and Adam and he broke it. And ever since then, man's appetite, man's affection has been tainted. Whereas the worship that's due to God alone, many people have taken that same zeal and pointed that worship towards created things versus the creator. So ever since the fall, we've been dealing with this misappropriation of worship. And God says he's a jealous God, meaning that uh, he wants our relationship with him to be exclusive, only him. He doesn't want to share us with anyone else or with anything else. So what idolatry does is it takes our focus of away from the authentic God and it points it back towards things that can't help us. When we look at Exodus 20 verses 1 through 3, we find the following verses. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. It's self-explanatory. God doesn't want us to engage in idolatry. Exodus thirty-four fourteen. Do not worship any other God. For the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Deuteronomy 6.13, fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Matthew 4 and 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And this is a cross-reference back to Deuteronomy 6 and 13. So Jesus is basically restating what him and the father have always expressed to humanity. God does not want to share our affections. He wants us to make him number one. Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Idolatry is not just about figurines and statues, but it's also a matter of the heart. And oftentimes, I think when we talk about idolatry, uh, we, we talk, we talk about or we think about tribes or cultures in history that have created idols and placed them on a pedestal uh, and worship them. And uh, even in Ephesians, um, you, you talk about the cult goddess Artemis and uh, Diana uh, in, in Roman time. But it's more than that. It's more than just having a physical symbol on uh, a podium or on an altar and you're worshiping them. Yes, that that is idolatry. But we also learn the New Testament uh, from Christ himself that you can also practice idolatry by who you've given your heart to. Let's say it again. You can also be violating God's teaching on idolatry just by the way that you position your heart. Let me read Matthew 6.24 again. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Idolatry, again, is not just about figurines. It's a matter of the heart. So my question to you, if you're listening, where is your heart? Is it exclusively set on God or are you trying to worship God in things of the world? You cannot do both. There's consequences of engaging in idolatry. There are consequences. If we look at 1 Corinthians 10 and 7, in regards to the first generation of Israelite, Paul writes this. He says, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and and got caught up to indulge in reverie. So Paul is pointing them back to uh, the early Israelites when Moses went up to confer with God and the people became impatient and they decided we're going to create our own God, the God that they were exposed to in Egypt. And what we're going to do is um, our time has quickly expired. For the next episode, we're going to continue the doctrine of idolatry, especially uh, talking about the God Ptah, P-T-A-H, that the uh, Hebrews were exposed to in Egypt. Now, I hope that this episode has helped some of you to really look at your life, that you may recalibrate your life in a way that God will be pleased. And always remember to do for the truth what so many do for a lie. Be willing to stand up for the truth of the gospel. God's word will never come back void. And I'm hoping that all of you learn to live with Christ joyously. And if you're in a position to support this ministry, please consider uh, joining uh, so many others who believe in the work that we're doing. 
God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.